Hi, I'm Lisa Prather, and welcome to The Voice of Health with our host, Dr. Robert Prather of The Prather Practice, where lives are changed every day through the natural approach to health care. Talking today about a tale of two epidemics. And Dr. Prather, what is meant by this title? Well, you know, we've, of course, uh, I don't know if everybody's aware, but there's a COVID-19 going on. (laughs) (laughs) I always say that and get a laugh from people. (laughs) I don't know if you're aware. (laughs) You're wondering why those people are wearing masks. (laughs) But, uh, you know, one of the things we forgot is that there's an opiate uh, epidemic going on right now. Mm. And that is the term that the CDC actually uses. Opiate epidemic. That there is an opiate epidemic and it is going on right now at the same time that we have the COVID-19. And that's one thing that was big in the news, but it's kind of been pushed to the to the side. And I just kind of want to bring it out again mm-hmm. because it is a real issue right now and, and causing a very significant number of deaths. So what is the history of the opiate Epidemic, and you know what? That's not easy to say. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Say that Uh, ten times fast. Right, and you know when you're talking about opiates, it it used to well, of course, the whole thing is 1970s, 1980s. Opiates were only used in a very short amount of time, Mm -hmm. very restricted because everybody knew that they were addictive. You know, it was just like, well, you know, I, I. can't prescribe very many opiates to you because it's something that can become very addictive and in the 1990s there was a a big study done where it showed up that there was a hundred million Americans that were suffering from chronic pain Mm. and the drug companies looked at that and said wow that's a pretty big market what if we can get people to you know doctors not to believe that opiates were addictive and start prescribing them so they took a very small number of studies that people who actually did the studies later apologized because they said that they weren't that accurate and it kind of kicked off the whole thing. Mm. And then they hired a, a few researchers who believed that that was a good course of action and then funded them. So 95% of the researchers said, oh yeah, they're addictive, and 5% said, no, no they're not. Mm-hmm. So the drug companies funded the 5% and then went out and started to speak and sit there. And there's uh, four basic things that we check on. And they said pain should be the fifth sign. Mm-hmm. And if they have that, you should prescribe an opiate for them to help them with the pain. That people shouldn't be suffering. And so this went on in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And the opiate crisis boomed. We started to have a very significant increase in the number of fatalities. People were becoming addicted all over the place. And it became a huge problem and has kicked off a national problem that's going on in the United States. Right well, it sounds very deceptive. <laughs> Is that the, in, the right word? Yes. They even found out that the drug companies charted how many deaths would occur, how quickly it would increase, uh, how many people would become dependent upon it, and what their sales would be, and uh, had it all mapped out. So they actually knew the consequences of their actions on promoting all this. Mm. 
and they did it anyway but we're talking about billions and billions of dollars that they made mm-hmm. on so a yearly basis. Is that called basis. greed? No, I wouldn't. No, I'm just, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a travesty. Mm-hmm. They have been fined. Uh, they have admitted guilt. Oh, there. they've met, admitted guilt to this. Yeah, they've actually admitted that they did everything. Oh, my gosh. It's been in court. They've had to pay fines. But if you make your money and you just have to pay back 10% of what you made, it's no big deal. So they came out with billions of dollars. Yeah, but uh, all the blood on their hands. Oh, uh, tremendous amount of blood on their hands. Mm-hmm. And the shocking thing on this is they knew that mm-hmm. this was going to happen. Now, the medical doctors who were brought into conferences, things like that, you know, I've talked to several of them who even did prescriptions, mm-hmm. said, yeah, we actually, they have been trained to trust the drug companies. Mm-hmm. Because... of everything that doctors get on their education is presented to them by drug companies. It's great education. Well, (laughs) there's no conflict of interest there. (laughs) Which is Well, it used to be, and it can't happen anymore, but they would get free trips, free... Wasn't that happening in the 90s? Yeah, there was a tremendous amount of kickbacks for all that. Yeah, Yes. which can't happen now. Well, I mean, and then a lot of doctors became millionaires Mm. from the whole thing. A lot of them, the ones, the small number of them, have been put in jail and charged with contributing to someone's death. Mm -hmm. Chargeable type of thing, but we have not gotten to that point with the uh, corporate people. Mm-hmm. who are actually in charge of all this. We have not been able to prosecute them, but there has been talk of, along those lines of that actually occurring. So what was behind the first wave of the opioid epidemic? Well, there was, of course, a real problem with pain. But there was an awful lot of pain that was going on that people were suffering with. And one of the things that uh, helped to fuel that is that people were getting uh, physical therapy, different types of things along those lines, Mm -hmm. and getting treatment. Uh, So if you had pain, you would go through physical rehab, Mm -hmm. you would go through all those types of things, and the insurance companies were saying, we're spending an awful lot of money on this. Isn't there just a pill out there that we can give people and then forget about it? Mm -hmm. So they started to cut costs on reimbursing. You're an occupational therapy, (laughs) and you know how, how the rehab... You can talk about how that kind of went down during the 90s. Yeah, I mean, the, re- the reimbursement, even for chiropractic. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, chiropractic was hit with that. You used to have, I mean, after a surgery, you would have 60 days of, of rehab going mm-hmm. on. Oh, yes. And then, yeah, inpatient you're talking about. Yeah, inpatient rehab mm-hmm. where you could get people back up and, and running and get them uh, out of pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, they cut that down to just a couple weeks couple weeks right and you're sending people home right so insurance companies were saying oh great hey we can just hand somebody a pill and we don't have to actually worry about you know going through these types of therapies to get them better Mm -hmm. Uh, just give them a pill well and that's why I started working with you because when I first got out of school I was in rehab centers right I worked at, I don't know if some listeners will remember, Hook Rehab. I was at Methodist Spinal Cord Rehab. And then I helped open up a, a rehab hospital in Kokomo. And I just saw the time, the inpatient time, just decreasing, decre- decreasing. Sure. And I didn't feel like we were giving quality of care. Right. And I said, 
you know what? <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm going to join you mm-hmm. and see lives really change. Right. And Where we could actually really concentrate on trying to get people better. Mm-hmm. So there was a whole movement within the insurance company. Doctors, it was much easier just to write out a prescription. Patients have been trained to want a pill for a problem. Mm-hmm. We've been brainwashed that you can take a pill and you're all better. Right. And those types of things aren't reality. So the first wave was drug greed, which they knew that they were going to be doing. It was uh, doctors relying on pharmaceutical companies for their information, which is stupid. <laughs> Pardon me, but it's absolutely well. You probably want to say way. something else, but right? <laughs> <laughs> stupid is. Well, I mean, it's it's uh, doctors are very busy, and so you know they were presenting. And I know pharmaceutical reps is, uh, who actually went out there and, and told people. Mm-hmm. And what they were done, you know, they, they couldn't believe that the doctors were actually listening to them. Because they said, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just learned a script. Yeah. So the drug companies gave them a line to say, a sales line to say, on every question. And then they just uh, went with it. And so it was just a, a continual type of process along those lines that and and then the insurance companies jumped on board too well we're going to cut the reimbursement for the real treatment that actually helps with the situation Mm -hmm. let's just give them a pill and then we cut our costs but it's just like it would be a situation with with your car so you have your automobile Mm -hmm. and you have to do maintenance on it to keep it you know and you have to do the the process so what they did is they said, well, if we could just eliminate all the pro- all the maintenance, then we don't have to worry about the car anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that cuts down on costs. But then the car breaks down, and it actually winds up costing more. I mean, the cost of the opiate crisis for the insurance companies has far outweighed anything that they had gained. Right. Well, what about the lives that have been lost? And then the lives that have been lost. We're going to hear a story. Yes, it's just... A mother who lost her... And and people, you know, I had a situation where an 85-year-old pastor's wife who had never taken a sip of alcohol in her life and actually kept away from coffee and tea because they were stimulants, Mm -hmm. get addicted to heroin. Mm. Because what happened was she was having knee pain Mm-hmm. And she went into her doctor and he said, here, take these pills. Well, they were opiates. So he put her on Percocet. Mm-hmm. And she was on them. And then all of a sudden, uh, she was on them for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And her doctor uh, got in trouble because he had been overprescribing. And he says, okay, we, you know, we cut you off. You can't have any more. Just you're cut an her addict. off. Yeah. And she freaked out mm-hmm. and they said well go to a clinic for a drug addiction she went there and met someone who provided her heroin oh my goodness and she got on heroin so here's this pastor's wife a 85 year old mm-hmm. great grandma mm. who was now hooked on heroin from a medical doctor's prescriptions she believed her doctor mm-hmm. uh, no fault of her own and what a travesty. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What a travesty. When we come back, um, we're going to talk about, we just talked about the first wave of the opioid epidemic. We're going to talk about the second wave, a tale of two epidemics. 
you can win a free 60-minute massage in a relaxing spa at the Prather Practice. Each month, we have a drawing to give away a free massage to one of our lucky Facebook and Twitter fans. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter on our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. This is The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather. The Voice of Health Wellness Tip featuring Rapid Release Technology. Yeah, we're going to talk about this rapid release technology or RRT. It's our secret weapon, like to say. It's non-surgical, drug-free treatment option. Sure. It's FDA-registered high-speed vibration device. It was developed in 2010. Actually by a chiropractor. It's a pioneered high-speed vibration therapy. It's focused on the relief of soft tissue problems affecting nerves, muscles, tendons, and ligaments. There's a lot of different ways that you can get adhesions and scar tissue and different things released. A lot of it can actually be very painful to mm-hmm. achieve. And it's one of the things that is not well treated at all in the disease care model up until this point. What they were able to do is come up with a concept of a vibrational instead of a mechanical. It's vibrating at a frequency that they found breaks up tissue that is abnormal. So it actually starts to change it, melt it away. When it does that, then allows the body to go in there and lay down normal tissue that is fully functioning. The good illustration on that is an opera singer who can sing and you've got that fine crystal starts to vibrate and it vibrates at a higher, higher frequency, even to the point where it can even crack. What you're doing with this rapid release is you're creating a vibration and that doesn't harm normal tissue. As a matter of fact, it it actually heals it, gets more circulation and makes it better functioning. But abnormal tissue, it actually breaks up and then it helps the body to dissipate it. Relax muscles and release aches, pains, and tension through rapid-release high-speed vibration therapy. Experience the benefits of rapid-release therapy by scheduling an appointment at the Prather Practice. And to purchase your own, go to our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. Click on the rapid-release banner and enter code PRATHER2020 for a $100 discount available to the Voice of Health Radio listeners. The Voice of Health Minute with Dr. Robert Prather of the Prather Practice. What does stress do to our immune system? Hans Selye, a very famous scientist who is sort of the father of stress study, he measured what occurred in the body when stress occurs. The adrenals would shrink. You would see actually physical evidence of that. And then the immune system would pretty well crash. When people get stressed, this has a real big effect on your immune system and really opens you up to be more susceptible to infection. We're trying to get the COVID-19 under control and we're creating a tremendous amount of stress in people's lives, which actually helps the COVID-19 to get worse. Mm-hmm. We're kind of developing a situation where if we stress out the American population, we're going to guarantee that the COVID-19 has more deaths than what it would normally and have a bigger effect on people. Schedule your appointment at the Prather Practice, 317-848-8048. The Prather Practice, restoring hope. You're listening to The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather of The Prather Practice, the most comprehensive wellness center in the Midwest. We're talking about a tale of two epidemics. I mean, Dr. Prather, what you were just saying in that first segment is, is really tough to hear. It yeah. really is. 
and um, I mean we're we're focusing on the COVID nineteen and racism right now, and there, there's just so much going on. There's so many epidemics that we're talking about. Yes, you know that are just a real crisis here in this country, and we need to we need to figure out what we're doing and and why we're in the situation we're in. Yeah, and now and you're sharing why. You know what happened in the in the nineties that turned it around. Um, that was the first wave. What what's involved in the second wave of the opioid? Yeah, so the first wave was prescription medications. Mm -hmm. As you're talking about that, you're talking about morphine, coding mm -hmm. uh, is something, and they put that in cough syrup. So people are getting a lot of these types of things without even realizing it. Oxycodone, hydrocodone, and you're talking about oxycodone, Percocet, which we talked about, Norco, Vicodin, you know, all these types of things were really involved in the first wave. Mm -hmm. And that was really got high 1999. In 2010, the federal government realized, hey, you know, we've got a real problem here. Uh, because they were having 130 people die a day. Mm. Uh, so a, a real crisis going on. And so, uh, hey, doctors, you got to cut them off. So what happened was heroin took off. Because mm. heroin was cheaper and actually gave a... a, a gave a good high so all these people who had been addicted from the prescriptions from their medical doctors uh, turned to heroin just like I was talking about that uh, 85 year old great grandma yeah uh, and uh, you know without you know because uh, you know understanding how uh, the opiates work is that uh, you know with this this uh, great grandma actually it took no time to fix her her knees mm-hmm uh, that wasn't a problem. But she says, I'm still in pain. Well, what she was in pain was whenever the uh, the opiates started to wear off. Then the pain would come back. Because opiates cause pain hmm. throughout the body. People hurt. Uh, hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, people start shaking and hmm. uh, they have withdrawals and they're in pain. It's, we found in our office that it, fixing the, the low back, fixing the knees, uh, fixing the neck problem, uh, you know, getting, getting them over the, the surgical pain is easy. Mm -hmm. What's really hard is getting people over the, uh, the opiate pain. Wow. Because uh, opiates, if you, it, basically opiates really shouldn't be used longer than two weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, after two weeks, so it sh opiates should only be used for acute problems, you know, acute pains, mm -hmm. uh, something that's a short-term or a life-ending issue. In other words, you're going to die, so you can, might as well have the opiates so you can stay out of pain, which is all reasonable. Mm -hmm. And that was the philosophy uh, before the 1990s. So you only gave uh, someone for an opiate no longer than two weeks, and then they were done. Or uh, if it was an end-of-life type of situation, that was the only time that they used. So you don't get addictive in that two weeks? Uh, it, two weeks is probably is fine, mm -hmm. you know, and then you should go off of it. Because after that, the opiates destroy your body's own ability to handle pain and actually creates pain. Mm. So chronic pain is made worse by opiates. Let me repeat that. Mm -hmm. Opiates make pain worse. They have an initial release 
you know, of pain. Mm-hmm. They said, oh, you know, so you have it, uh, you know, some relief along those lines. But then once you stop the opiates, the pain is magnified, not decreased. So opiates make pain worse. Mm-hmm. Advertise that. <laughs> it wouldn't go over, would it? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it and it just it, what it does is it destroys your natural opiate receptors, so that not only does the does the opiates make the pain worse, but you need more opiates to take the pain down. Mm-hmm. So the prescriptions start going higher and higher, and you need a stronger opiate to handle the pain. It's just a vicious cycle. So yes, and then when you the the more that you're taking, the harder it is to get off and you are addicted it's the the perfect way to make money off of people mm-hmm. so here you've got uh the husband of a 85 year old he's a pastor going out to the drug dealer to get heroin for his wife who's addicted to opiates mm. because she can't take it yeah so it, it's a it's a horrible problem mm-hmm. and during the 90s uh, you know we had the Surgeon General at that time saying hey you, people you've got to stop uh, giving uh, the prescriptions mm-hmm. and they weren't you know the doctors still are pres- over prescribing opiates then they are inappropriately uh, prescribing opiates again we should go back to end of life or two weeks and then you're off Mm-hmm. And they're giving way too many. I, uh, you know, uh, someone had a, uh, uh, you know, wisdom tooth taken out, and we, uh, you know, they prescribed them uh, two hundred and forty uh, uh, Percocet. Mm-hmm. You don't need two hundred and forty. You need twelve, mm-hmm. ten. Right. You know, to uh, handle the acute pain during a short period of time. That's proper prescriptions, and it's not still not being done. Uh, because medical doctors have gotten used to prescribing opiates. So the first wave was uh, the prescriptions. Mm-hmm. The second wave was then they started to cut back. And people found out that the heroin was cheaper than buying a prescription. And it was much. It was very, very readable. It was coming up from Mexico. So in 2010, we had a spike in the heroin issue. And, a lot of, and then heroin actually took over uh, more more opiate deaths than uh, than the prescriptions. So then we had the second wave, and that was provided. No, you just talked about this. Is this the yeah, third wave? Yeah, the first wave. Now the second wave okay. was the heroin. Okay. And that was basically brought up from Mexico, and is still a major issue on that. And the big place that they were getting that from was from uh, opiate clinics. That's where they would go to meet people to actually sell the heroin. Okay. So what's happening with the third wave of this crisis? The third wave is synthetic. And basically what you're talking about is tramadol and fentanyl. Mm. And those are much, much stronger and uh, more deadly. And that's where we're getting the third wave from. And the third wave, uh, most of that is is being made in China. Both the uh, legal and illegal is uh, like almost all of it is made in China Mm -hmm. and then transported to the United States both illegally and uh, um, and also legally and don't we have issues with China and the quality of of their products and uh, you know so we had gone through that and what we had seen uh, 
there was actually a big thing about because they have tracked it all the way through 2019 and then 2018 uh, uh, 2017 there was actually a drop in the number of deaths so there was a four percent decrease and everybody was like okay we're starting to turn the corner on the uh, whole death rate but unfortunately 2019 from what we can see on the statistics we don't have exactly is that the death rate has is actually increasing and is actually surpassed mm. so this crisis is not getting better it's getting worse more people are becoming addicted more people are dying and it's causing greater and greater costs to everybody greater and greater deaths and we have a uh, an issue here uh, eighty percent of all opiate consumption in the world is done in the United States eighty percent let me repeat that eighty mm-hmm. percent of all opiate consumption is done in the United States we are destroying our country mm-hmm. and it is a crisis that has been uh, de- it, the crisis was developed by the drug manufacturers mm-hmm. and by the system that we had that allowed this to happen. The insurance companies were behind it. The federal government allowed it to go. The FDA did nothing, even though that they knew that this, they knew the outcome. Mm-hmm. They knew that this wasn't true. Mm-hmm. And they allowed it to happen. Mm. So why why is pain a major issue we we do we have people who are we have a country that's sick Mm -hmm. people are not healthy in the united states uh is it you know are we consuming 80 percent of all the uh all the medications in uh, you know pain medications in the world because we have more pain Mm -hmm. we have a system in here that is dependent upon people have been trained take a pill and you're going to be better. You don't have to worry about your health. You don't have to take responsibility. You don't have to take responsibility on what you eat. You don't have to take take responsibility on how you take care of yourself. I Just give me a pill, doc, and mm-hmm. I'll be fine. So we socially have a very sick society. We have a sick society in a lot of different types of ways. And we're causing a tremendous amount of more pain here in the United States than in other countries. Mm-hmm. And there is a problem, and the problem is that we have, one of the major problems is that we are dependent upon disease care as our model for health care, and we should be uh, implementing where the rest of the world is implementing structure function care. United States actually suppresses it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about structure function care, because there is hope. Listen to the Voice of Health Radio on your smartphone or tablet on all of the top radio apps available. Tune in Radio, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can find these apps and more on our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. This is the Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather. Laughter is the best medicine. If I'm on diabetic, it's a cruel disease. You have to carry a candy bar with you wherever you go. So I'll have to eat it. Coma. 
The Voice of Health Minute with Dr. Robert Prather of the Prather Practice. We've actually had one patient, and I've read about some of the other patients who are young, who have got the COVID-19, who, if they also take an antibiotic along with it, then they're being misdiagnosed with Kawasaki disease, which is an autoimmune reaction. It can be very serious because it can cause some problems. But that is one thing that they're finding. Something that parents should be aware of is not to give your child an antibiotic if they have a virus and not a bacteria. And that's something that the CDC puts out. World Health Organization, pediatric physicians also say is you are not supposed to be giving antibiotics for viruses because it can Mm -hmm. cause problems, you can get reactions. The number one reason for children going into the emergency room for serious problems is from antibiotic reactions. Schedule your appointment at the Prather Practice, 317-848-8048. The Prather Practice, restoring hope. Are you frustrated by not getting to the root cause of your health issue? Are you tired of not knowing why you're always fatigued? Are you wanting to say no to toxic drugs? Have you lost hope? Are you just tired of being sick and tired? At the Prather Practice, we want you to know that we have the answers for you. We offer the alternative to the disease care model. We are the drug-free model to health and wellness. At the Prather Practice, we look for the underlying cause of your health problem and not just the symptomatology. Through thorough diagnostics, we find your individual health blueprint for your treatment. Where the disease care model is symptom-based, the structure-function model we practice gets to the root of your health issue. The Prather Practice is the most comprehensive wellness center in the Midwest. Our integrated practice offers you the most treatment options to restore your health and your hope. Learn more about the Prather Practice by calling 317-848-8048 or learn more on our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. Lisa Prather, and you're listening to The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather of The Prather Practice, where we get to the root cause of your health issue. We're talking today about a tale of two epidemics, and the information you're giving us, Dr. Prather, it's it's really horrifying. Um, it is. We're in a pandemic, the COVID-19, where racism you know we're having violent riots where you know a lot of things are coming up with that and then we have this opioid epidemic mm-hmm. all at the same time yeah and then the history of it and the greed behind it knowing uh, people knowing the effects that their greed would have they charted it Mm-hmm. They 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 found that they went through and went through the predictions of what would happen. Mm-hmm. They knew, and they they pretty well nailed it. Well, I'm hearing in um, that it's a time for us to repent. You know, it's a time for the people, Americans, to repent, and there's so much we need to repent for. Right. We need to humble ourselves. And, and repent for what, we, what we've done, what we're doing. Yeah, it, it's, and you know, we know all this. Uh, this is not something, I mean, uh, President Obama, mm-hmm. uh, uh, President Trump, have each had, uh, have declared it a, a, um, a crisis. 
mm-hmm. a national crisis on this. The Surgeon Generals, uh, I got letters from three different Surgeon, uh, 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 Surgeon Generals of the United States talking about uh, the pandemic and what doctors need to do and how we need to address it. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, I also got letters from the uh, Surgeon General saying, I'm just talking in the wind. Am I even, am I even being heard? Wow. Is this it, something that anyone's even paying attention to? Because I, I don't see a change happening. Mm-hmm. You know, what are we doing? And this letter went out to all physicians. All physicians. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, <coughs> what are we doing and why are we doing this? Yeah. And, uh, you know, what part is everyone playing in this? You know, are we, uh, we have a society that is guided by the media. And every single TV show, every single radio, every article is looked at by drug companies and and censored. Mm-hmm. Uh, freedom of information is not freedom of, of uh, how people write. If you have a, a story uh, storyline about a chiropractor, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. The movie Groundhog Day had a had a positive message in there about chiropractic, where Bill Murray was uh, uh, doing doing work as a chiropractor to help people. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things he did in the whole process, and the drug companies said you have to take that out because it presents a a positive light on chiropractic, chiropractic. as as helping people. I mm-hmm. uh, you cannot have a a a TV show a movie. Unless they, the drug companies have said you are presenting drugs in a positive light, they are censoring, they are controlling the information that is being put out there. They have commercials mm-hmm. that are constantly on the TV. Uh, they spend, drug companies spend fifty million dollars a day on marketing and advertising. Wow. Mm-hmm. Fifty million dollars, mm-hmm. and we're the only country, right, that advertises yes, that allows advertisements on TV for drugs, mm-hmm. and it has increased the amount of drugs exponentially that are being sold to the American public. So, who's running our health care? The drug companies. Mm-hmm. So we have allowed the drug companies to dictate and to actually suppress any type of alternative to drugs right now we're not saying that drugs are are the problem drugs are not the problem we've already said that the opiates are important type of a a therapy in acute situations and in end of life i would not deny i would not deny someone in in an end of life type of situation to go through uh opiates Mm -hmm. that's crazy uh antibiotics i think are a precious commodity Pharmaceuticals are an important part of our healthcare system. They just shouldn't be the dominant role. Mm-hmm. It should be an 80-20 split. 80% of all healthcare should be done through structure function care, which means bringing the body back into homeostasis or balance the body, both structurally and physiologically. Mm-hmm. That's, where, that's where we could actually solve a tremendous amount of our problems. That type of thing uh, can... Uh, can definitely, uh, one, solve our opiate crisis, and two, 
the people who are uh, COVID-19 viruses, uh, the influenza, uh, cardiovascular disease, cancer, all those things are from the body going out of homeostasis and then developing a disease. And if we can keep ourselves healthy, uh, and we, the United States is out of balance. Mm -hmm. You you sit there and you can you can like diagnosing a person, uh, as you sit there and say, "Wow, you're a mess. You really need to be fixed." You, if we're looking at the United States uh, in a, a health picture, we spend the most on health care and we have the worst outcomes. Duh. Mm -hmm. And we're going to spend more on, on uh, well, we just need to fix the, we've got the best disease care model in the world. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a problem with the model. We have a sick country. We are out of balance and we need to bring the country back into balance. Mm -hmm. And we need some leadership. We need people, you know, people still are the greatest power out there. Mm -hmm. And I have people coming in and said, uh, Doc, you know, I, my back's a problem. I went to, to my uh, medical doctor, and he wrote me a prescription, and he said, it's Percocet. I read about Percocet. Hmm. I don't think that this is a good idea. What do you think? I said, well, why don't we actually fix the problem? <laughs> uh-huh instead of instead of uh, just going about it that way. He says, well, that sounds like a good idea to me. And so he questioned it. He did his own research. We cannot, we cannot trust mm -hmm. the authorities. Mm -hmm. The authorities, I mean, the, the opiate crisis just kind of showed that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We cannot have faith. And we as individuals need to demand a better system and a better country because the people are the most powerful thing in this country and the people who are the leaders who are guiding us in the wrong direction know that and they're afraid of the people mm -hmm. and the, the the people should be the ones who are determining what happens in the direction of this country not relying on on the on the elite mm -hmm. not relying on what they say because they have proven themselves as liars and deceivers and greedy. But right now they have us in our houses. We're scared. We have masks on. Uh, it's hard to speak. It's, it's an interesting situation right now. Mm -hmm. Interesting time. And then one of the things we, we, because again, we're talking about two crises. We also have a crisis in here where we have the, uh, the stress, I mean, people are stressed out of their minds and it's making them more vulnerable to being sick. Isolation leads to drug abuse, mm -hmm. suicide, depression. Uh, you know, we need to be asking ourselves, sometimes is the cure worse than, than the uh, actual disease? And what's, um, what's been China's involvement in all this too? Well, China is the is where we're getting all the uh, synthetic drugs that's re leading to the uh, heavy increase in our death rate. Mm. And they are both legally and illegally shipping it here with the sanctions of the government. Hmm. The government really is actually funding it, providing it, 
and then actually pushing it. So, you know, we are in a conflict with, with China right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this is also showing up in our, uh, in, uh, our drugs, too. We're very dependent on China for quite a few things. And we need to relook at what we're doing and whether uh, China has our best interests in heart. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And, and the thing is, there are other answers. There is hope. Um, at one time, even the CDC... Oh, it's actually even present. They have uh, what is a task force for pain management and how to actually approach that. Mm-hmm. They have a whole system on that that is not being followed. It's not being followed by the insurance companies. It's not being followed by the doctors. Uh, it is not a protocol that uh, has really made a dent yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there needs to be a lot of soul searching on that and uh, there needs to be a lot of changes. Uh, they've done experiments where there was a large group of people uh, 60,000 people where they uh, had structure function as their primary care. There was a 60% reduction in cost over 10 years. 60%. 60% with an 85% improvement in outcomes. Mm-hmm. Proven. Dramatic types of changes. Now, there was a slight increase at the beginning of cost because, people, because of the cost of trying to get themselves better. Uh, doing the structure function care and that's what the insurance company says oh we can't have that <laughs> but over the long term uh, it would cut down it would cut down on the cost in America of our healthcare system by 60% with 85% better outcomes if we could implement structure function care as a nationwide type of care to the American public mm-hmm yeah and I know People are talking about this MediShare, it's a Christian-based insurance, but they're not covering the structure function they care. They do not cover structure function no, care at yeah. all. And I've given them a phone call regarding that. Right. You know? Right. Um, and people yeah. are not understanding, you know, I, you know this is, this is a, 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 you know, when you're talking about uh, drug addiction, uh, it robs your soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not something that you can just sit there and it has far implications. Uh, you know, the whole reason that we have uh, children, uh, the welfare system, uh, the social services of, of uh, our country are being overwhelmed with children without parents because of, the, because of what's going on medically. Mm-hmm. So children are being put in vulnerable p- positions. Uh, it has increased the uh, sex trafficking. It has it has it has destroyed the American family, the American communities, and it is a a a a uh, pandemic throughout this country, mm-hmm. just killing uh, uh, thousands and thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Well, we have just one more minute. Um, Dr. Prather and I know we're going to be doing. Uh, a part two on this there's just too much information and we want to give hope because there is hope out there yeah. um, there are uh, alternatives to opioids um, but any closing remarks I again uh, we need to have individual type of responsibility 
we need to uh, think back to our forefathers who fought for liberty, freedom, mm -hmm. and self-determination. And that's where we need to go again. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dr. Prather. Thank you, Lisa. Never miss an episode of The Voice of Health so that you can stay informed and empowered about your health. Get a podcast of our show automatically delivered to you every week by signing up for our show on iTunes. You can find that link on our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. And don't forget, thevoiceofhealthradio.com has complete archives of all of our past episodes with an audio library of information to help you add more life to your years and more years to your life. This is The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather. <laughs> The Voice of Health Wellness Tip with Dr. Robert Prather of the Prather Practice. Dr. Prather, tell us why your weight loss program is unique. Well, we're, we're not just interested in, in your weight loss. We're interested in your overall health and well-being. Mm. So, you know, again, we are an office that is looking at homeostasis within the body. Mm -hmm. And homeostasis on your fat percentage is an extremely important part because that determines a lot of your pH, uh, your hormones. It has a huge effect on how your body actually works. So we're not just looking at, uh, yes, we want you to lose weight, mm -hmm. but we want you to lose weight in a healthy manner. Uh, in, that you'll be able to keep it off. <clears throat> that you'll be able to keep it off. We, mm -hmm. we don't allow people to gain their weight back. Mm-hmm. You know, we really try to keep up with them and uh, make sure that they have a lifestyle that maintains their uh, weight, their desired weight. And then we also check to see what is the proper weight that you should be uh, for the percentage of fat. Mm -hmm. Because that is what is really important on this. And we also look at the whole person. What is it that's actually keeping you from being able to get where you want to be, whether it's emotional issues uh, whether it could be like we had a patient uh, who was low iron, mm -hmm. and that low iron was, uh, they just couldn't lose weight until they got their iron levels back up. Right. Uh, we see a lot of, yeah, thyroid, endocrine Yeah, system. endocrine system that's out of balance. So we figure out what it is that's going to get you to a healthy state, and as you get to that healthy state, uh, it makes it very easy then to lose the weight, and people are surprised at, uh, one, uh, that they're able to lose the weight and feel so much better. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the beauties of all this. And the other thing, too, it's very individualized. Very um, individualized. We have type 1 diabetics on the yes. program. Um, we've had people with type 2 get off their insulin. Sure. Um, so with it being medically supervised and blood work is taken, um, so we know exactly what's going on. Yes, we do. And that, that just makes all the difference in the world. And it, people have different types of, uh, I mean, it's amazing how many different individual types of needs and quirks and mm -hmm. all sorts of things that people have and working with them to uh, help them to get where they want to be is, is uh, always a pleasure. Schedule your appointment at the Prather Practice, 317-848-8048. That's 317-848-8048. Or learn more on our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com. The Prather Practice, restoring hope. You're listening to The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather of The Prather Practice. 
where our mission is restoring hope to our patients. Well, I have Justin Phillips with us, founder and executive director of Overdose Lifeline. Welcome. Thank you. And Justin, how did Overdose Lifeline come to be? Well, it came to be uh, because I have been working for a very long time, 25 plus years, in public health and grassroots advocacy, trying to save children primarily from unintentional injury and death associated with common things like motor vehicle crashes. Mm, mm -hmm. And I had a middle child, his name is Aaron. He and I battled about his experimentation with marijuana, Mm -hmm. but unbeknownst to me, he also had been experimenting with prescription drugs and eventually started using heroin Mm. and subsequently lost his life. And so when he overdosed, in 2013 I learned a lot about the relationship between a prescription pain medication and heroin that in fact they're the same drug Mm. and that there were all these other things I didn't know including that a drug called naloxone could have saved him from overdose so I decided I needed to start a nonprofit so we could do something Wow Wow I'm so sorry that you lost your son but you're taking that and have done something mm-hmm. that I know is probably helping a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what does Overdose Lifeline focus on? Sure. So we try to focus on getting people to really understand that substance use disorder, addiction, and opioid use disorder is a brain disease. And it's changes in the structure of the brain when a chemical is introduced and that it should be treated like a chronic disease that it is and we should not stigmatize it we should not shame people who suffer from it and uh, if we change that we could be helping a whole lot of people so that's our primary focus but then we do things like education programming Mm -hmm. and distribution of the overdose reversal drug naloxone so that we can help other families and caregivers okay And why should people care? Because more people suffer from the chronic disease of substance use disorder than any other chronic disease. Mm. It affects everyone in some form or fashion. And we have spent too much time denying that it exists Mm -hmm. and avoiding it. And now we have had, you know, this crisis. Mm -hmm. Prior to the COVID pandemic, we had, you know, a public health crisis from opioid overdose and we lost 72,000 people, which now we've surpassed that number with COVID, unfortunately, but Mm -hmm. it's still too many lives lost. Right. Too many lives. And do you service what area? So we serve the state when we can. So because we do so much around education and awareness, we have a lot of online learning so that people who maybe are impacted but don't understand substance use disorder can go on our website and access our online learning courses that come with CEUs and ACMEs and all those um, clinical continuing education units Mm -hmm. that are required by clinicians and non-clinicians. And then we also distribute naloxone to anyone who requests it, honestly. So we do that statewide as well. And they can get in touch with you on Mm -hmm. your website, which is www.overdoselifeline.org. And you have an event coming up this month. We do. Tell us a little bit about that. So on June 18th, we have our sixth annual Memorial Charity Golf Outing. And this is our biggest fundraiser honestly and just an event again to raise awareness but also 
to raise money and contribute to the funds we need to because we provide the overdose reversal kit free to families and caregivers that request it. This event was started by young men who had lost friends to opioid overdose. Wow. And this will be our sixth year, and um, we had to push it back because of mm-hmm. COVID from our original plan in May to June, but we're really excited to be able to make it happen because we know people are ready to get out a little bit and have some fun. Great. So it's June 18th. Mm-hmm. And where will it be held? It's at Pete Dye's Walk, which is on State Road 135 in Greenwood. Okay. Great. Mm -hmm. And that's coming up June 18th. How can people get involved in your event or your organization if they're interested? Sure. So if people are interested in getting involved in an event, we have some sponsorships available still. We have the opportunity to come golf, but very little opportunity left because of social distancing requirements. We've almost reached our capacity for golfers, so that feels really exciting given the short turnaround time that we've put this event together. You can volunteer for our organization. We put overdose reversal kits together. We'll be doing that actually tonight. So all of that information is on our website, and you're welcome to reach out to me at justin at overdoselifeline.org. Okay, that's justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, at overdoselifeline.org. Yeah, and even if you're full with golfers and I'm not a golfer we're, we're going to be giving you have the silent auction exactly. we're going to be giving a 60 minute massage and acupuncture sessions mm-hmm, that's true so. <laughs> and if you follow us on Facebook you'll be able to bid on those auction items whether you attend the golf outing or not oh so on your Facebook yes that's over great. to Slifeline pa- Facebook yep we'll be doing those auction items live from the golf event so people can just check the Facebook if they really want to get that massage because we all really <laughs> want a massage, massage. <laughs> even right. that acupuncture no, no. agree <laughs> well great that event is June 18th uh, you can go to www.overdoselifeline.org And Justin, thank you so much for coming and talking with me and sharing your story. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. We appreciate it. We appreciate the support. Thank you. The Prather Practice is located at 8902 North Meridian Street on the north side of Indianapolis, just south of the I-465 loop. If we can help you to achieve better health, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with our office at 317-848-8048. That's 317-848-8048. Join us again here next week or anytime on our website at thevoiceofhealthradio.com for The Voice of Health with Dr. Robert Prather.